there's a the don't be evil clause uh license maybe i should just start using that for everything yeah but but see the the problem is is once you start to go down that road now you start to get into moral territory and we all know how gray and mushy moral debates are because yes. everybody has a little bit different view on things Mm -hmm. And there have been plenty of examples in history we don't need to go into now where people did things because they were morally right mm -hmm. that we look at and go, oh, hell no. <laughs> so maybe yes. a don't be evil isn't the best, best idea. I don't know. Maybe. Welcome to episode 8 of the Opinion Dominion. Today we're talking about open source licenses and what license each of us would prefer. This is potential to be contentious, so hang on tight. The main question I have for you, JT, is this. If you were starting a Greenfield open source project, or you intended others to collaborate with you, what license would you choose, and why? Okay, well first of all, if you said potentially contentious, licensing is like hot-button issue numero uno for debates and arguments and everything else. So I, re I recognize that. I don't think this is potentially. I think this is going to happen, which is fine. We all we all have strong opinions. This is the opinion dominion after all. So it is perfectly appropriate for each of us to have very strong opinions that we disagree on. Very with true. Each other. Very true. As for myself, if the projects that I have small stuff I've done in the past, if I was going to create a brand new project, I would go with an MIT license. Why is that? Well, because that's what I've done for a while and that's what I prefer. Okay, why do you prefer it? I like the freedom that it gives people. Now, there's an important distinction that needs to be made here, and that is the main fundamental kind of philosophical difference between the GPL-type licenses and like an MIT or a BSD, and that is where the freedom actually lies, because each side can point to the other and go, oh, but this is a restrictive or this is restrictive. You know, the BSD people can say, well, it's restrictive because you're limiting what people can do. How is that free? The GPL side then look at it and go, well, you can, you know, lock down the code. So that's not free either. And the key point seems to be where the freedom actually resides. Who has the freedom? With MIT and BSD licenses, the freedom is on people. Anybody can take the code and do what they want with it including making changes and not sharing those changes. They individually have the right to do that. Whereas on the GPL side, the freedom actually lies in the code itself. It's like they have anthropomorphized the code and then given the code the right to freedom that then no individual can take that away from the code. So the code has rights that individuals cannot restrict. Makes sense to me. But for, my, for myself, I've used MIT in the past. So that's, yeah, that's what I would go with. What about you? If I'm writing documentation or something like that, I'm happy. Well, difficult to monetize documentation, we'll say that. But uh, for documentation, I happily choose a, like a three-clause BSD. Um, for my code, I'm more inclined to want the code to have the freedom. So I lean towards GPL. But I've also been in several work situations where we can't use that because it's GPL. Well, okay, yeah. So I think if I were writing something, specifically if I was writing a library, I would almost certainly do LPGO to allow corporations to link against it, but still require them. If you're going to make changes, you better submit those patches to us or keep your code available to us. Um, but as far as documentation goes, I, I lean towards do whatever you want with it because I, I don't see it as being something that could be used 
harmfully or abused. Well, if it's documentation, wouldn't that fall more under something like a Creative Commons? Well, yes, that's true. Um, I have seen it. I think in modern times, almost everybody's doing for for creative works, they're using the Creative Commons. And you can tell it's, it's been a couple of years since I've done open source documentation, I guess. I haven't really kept up with the times. But just for my own stuff, like if I'm writing documentation in my code base, I'm, well, first of all, I'm, I'm usually not putting an individual copyright on the files themselves. And I'm not putting a, a license note in there. I'm, I'm most likely to just stick a, a three clause somewhere in the top. I guess now think about it. If I'm, if I'm wanting, expecting a project to be contributed to and have lots of people around, I would use uh, GPL, LPGL. But if it's just something I hacked on and I'm like, somebody else could find this useful, I'll just stick three claws and go. I don't really care that much. I don't care what somebody else does with it. It was a useful thing that I built. Someone else may find it useful. Do whatever you want with it. And that's where I lean. I looked up um, some of the projects I know you've been involved in. Um, Lumina, is that license as three claws BSD because it was originally attached to BSD or was it like a deliberate choice? So Ken decided that he wanted to go with a BSD license. Now at the time, Ken was a PCBSD developer, so that may have had something to do with it. Probably. Uh, or he may just prefer that license. Or it could be both reasons at the same time. Uh, when I got involved with Lumina, it had already been licensed as three clause BSD. So obviously all of my con contributions will fall under that as well. Right. Yes, you have to adopt whatever's there previously. One of the things I think that hamstrings the kernel so much is that they didn't have a, a license assignment or a copyright assignment clause like a lot of the other majors. Like Mozilla, when they reorganized back in the early 2000s, part of what they did that for was that we're going to shed the legacy of all these individual contributions with their own potential licensure or copyright restrictions. You now have to assign your copyright to the Mozilla Foundation. And I think that was very revolutionary back then. Not so much now, it's the common pattern for all the big projects, for good reason. Because you can't really make changes to a large code base if you have to coordinate amongst hundreds or thousands of people. So, I forget where I was going with the rest of that thought, so we'll just have to come back to that later. <laughs> so you had said that Ken chose the license. I wonder if we could give him a call or an email. People email and text these days, they don't call, do they? Well, he's on, um, he's on vacation right now. Oh, well, the answer okay. is we're not going to get a quick answer while we're recording. Well, I, I didn't think so, but maybe for a future episode. Um, it wouldn't just, it would be a very short episode. Hey, why'd you, why'd you pick this license? Well, oh, I think, X, y, R, and Q. I think what would be better to do is to have him on and do an interview with him about a whole bunch of different things and just add that on the list of things to ask. Okay. Well, um, I'll add that to the list. It's the first question for me. Okay. Let me ask this. What other license related experiences have you had over the years? Oof. Uh, that's a very open-ended <laughs> question, I know, but I, you, you probably have more experience with it than I, and I'm, I'm curious to see uh, your thought process. So, licenses, licenses. Well, obviously, MIT, BSD, ISC, I've dealt with all those. Uh, LGPL, I've dealt with. Creative Commons, I've dealt with. Uh, actually, even a, one project many, many years ago. Uh, well, maybe not that many years ago, but they, uh, he used the Beerware license. I don't know if you're aware the of beer that. Beerware? Yes. I'm not familiar so, with that. So Beerware license is a kind of a joke license, but let, yet at the same time legit because he's actually put code under it that Paul Henning Camp made. Um, the guy who popularized the term bike shedding. Oh, yes. So the beer li Beerware license is basically, you can use this, you can do whatever you want with it. If you like it and you're ever somewhere where I am at and you liked it, you can buy me a beer. And there you go. That's the beerware. I love that. Yeah, I'm I'm totally going to use that. That's perfect. That's that's what I tend to do for. I released something that someone else found helpful and says, 
or, you know, or, or offer hosting for someone and they're like, what can I, you know, what would you, would you charge me? I'm, I'm like, next time we're at self or next time we're together, just buy me a beer. Mm -hmm. So that's right up my alley. Yeah. I'm going to totally ape that from now on. That's great. There's also the CDDL that I've dealt with in the past or things similar to the CDDL, not the CDDL directly. And then of course the, uh, the famous WTFPL, which is, which I'm is always not fun. familiar with that either. It is the, what the F public license which means you have the right to do whatever the F you want to do with this code. Right. Okay. So it, it's basically a public domain, you know, wrapped in a, a joke. Antagonism. That's, that's a very antagonistic license, license. And there's quite a lot of those out there too, I believe. Mm -hmm. Just like deliberately antagonistic because this topic does tend to bring the worst in people yeah. out and, into the Yeah, and there are trolls and they do like to make fun licenses. No. Yeah. Never. Yeah. No. So another another odd one is uh, NOSA, which you probably have not heard of. Well, maybe you have. I have not. So NOSA no, is not. the NASA open source agreement. Oh. It is a very weird hybrid of like MIT, GPL, and public domain, and then none of those all at the same time. Now, I have not. You're gonna have to explain. Yeah, that. I have not. I have not dealt with it in a long time. So if there's someone out there who has more of a firm grasp on it, by all means, please correct me. But effectively. The United States government owns the code. It's the government's code. However, anyone can use it. If you redistribute it, you have to provide the source code. Okay. So mm -hmm. far, this is all normal stuff. We all get it. Mm -hmm. However, if you make a change and you redistribute that change, you have to notify the government of the change that you've made and that you've redistributed. Mm. So unlike GPL, where you can take the code and modify it, and if you do, if somebody else uses it, you, they, ha they have the right to be able to get access to the code, but you don't have to notify upstream. So like if I download Core Utils and I modify it and I share that modification, I have to be able to share the source code, but I don't have to contact the FSF and say, hey, I modified these files and this is what I did. But with NOSA, you do. Hmm. And if the changes are good and there's a mutual agreement between you and, and NASA that they want to merge those upstream you you get assigned the copyright for your changes and you agree that they can then ship those out and your copyright will stay with what changes you are you made however it is irrevocable you have to agree to that now this is an interesting point in in my opinion that most people when they when they find out about this kind of breeze over because it shows that according to the government you have the right to revoke your contribution. Mm -hmm. And they require you to expressly agree to surrender your right to revoke, meaning that is a right that you have. Now, this relates to the interesting debate that comes up every once in a while with the GPL and revocability. Because there's some people that say, oh no, you can't do that at all. You've submitted the code, it's there, you can never get it back. But it would seem that as far as the government is concerned, They've already made basically a legal stance, uh, decided on a legal stance that copyright holders have the right to revoke unless they explicitly are bound by an agreement not to. And, you know, we know that the individual dev has rights to their code. Yes. And this is, and you kind of touched on this, but this is why older projects have a real hard time when they want to relicense because they have to go back and check with all, like, are you fine with it if we relicense your contributions? You know, we were under license A, we want to go under license B now, and they have to be able to verify. And I think it was open, maybe it was open SSL that tried this. And they put out like a blanket thing of, if you don't respond, then we just accept that as consent. 
And basically the community was like, yeah, that's not how that works. Like, yeah, no, you have to work. get explicit permission to be able to relicense what they what they wrote. Now, this is why I'm going to publish in the paper to the government. If you don't contact me within 24 hours of reading this, I'm going to walk into the treasury and say you owe me $100 million. Yeah, you owe me a spaceship if that you don't respond. Work. It doesn't work. That doesn't work. Now, some projects get around this now by having contributor agreements, which you alluded to before, so that mm -hmm. you assign copyright to those changes to the project. So then later on, if they need to, they legally have the right to do it. So in that situation, if you or I still have our legal rights to our code and we have a say if a project relicenses them, then why couldn't you or I do that at any other point in time? Now, granted, it doesn't relicense stuff in the past. Like, okay, mm -hmm. let's let's step back and let me give an example. Let's say you run a project, and we're going to call it, I don't know, Project Bubbles. So Jeff is running Project <laughs> Bubbles. It's a, it's a, it's an X project that, like, you know, X eyes just has bubbles that's, floating up on the screen. That's far too clean for me, by the way. Yeah, but yes, we're going to go with bubbles. that. So I contribute code to it, and let's say it's under a BSD or an MIT license. And then five years down the road, you're like, hey, JT, I want to change this. I want to make it LGPL, or I want to make it GPL, or whatever. You can't do that without my permission if my changes have been built in, unless you strip mm -hmm. my changes out, re-implement them yourself or whatever. You have to get my agreement that I am also going to relicense my contributions under GPL, let's say. So if I have that ability and that legal right to relicense under another license when you want me to, I would have the right to do that at any point in time because as the copyright holder, that's my right. Now it doesn't retroactively change the license in the past. So mm -hmm. if let's say we're on version three and you want to relicense and go with version four and I say no, well, my contributions for version three would stay the license that, or sorry, rewind that. You, I decided to relicense and you didn't, okay? Mm -hmm. So version four, I'm like, I want all my stuff to be a different license. And you're like, yeah, sorry, I, I'm not down with that. All my contributions prior remain what they were locked at time. I can't retroactively change the past, but I can say going forward, you can't mm -hmm. use this because I'm putting it under a new license. That's that's my understanding. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be what the government is kind of saying or agreeing to because they're requiring you to say, you will never revoke these patches. You will never want to mm -hmm. change what license it's under. You're surrendering that ability. Well, you can't mm -hmm. surrender an ability you don't have. Correct. You, you have to have it to be able to surrender it. Um, now, again, I'm not an attorney, but that's the way it kind of breaks down for me. So what kind of effect would that have in reality? I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you could definitely cause a project a lot of trouble because they would have to mm -hmm. re-implement what you did. And then you could also, if you really wanted to be a jerk, you know, you could relicense under something like the Abrams license, um, which I think you're aware of. Uh, Vaguely. Which is the anyone but Richard Stallman. Oh, yes, I am familiar yeah. with that one. So, you know, if if I then decided to relicense my code on a anyone but Jeff license, then <laughs> anybody could use it, but then you couldn't. And, you know, that would be me screwing you over. I mean, this so is... So you would do that on my Project Bubbles? I would do that on Project Bubbles, but I would be... Wow. Yeah. But I, now I would have to be very clear that I was... That it was the anyone but Jeff probes, not just anyone but Jeff. Because I don't want to screw mm -hmm. all the other Jeffs out there. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of good Jeffs out there. We will band together someday and take over the world. Just by the way, be ready for it. 
so yeah, it's a really it's a really messy issue once you start getting into the weeds. And this is something that's mm-hmm. never ever really been challenged or tried. I mean, it comes up every once in a while in in forums and online when somebody gets pissed off at like what the colonel does, and they're like, "Oh, well, everyone who's pissed off just as much as I am can revoke." And it's like, yeah, but nobody is actually really pissed off about that change except you. So I'm pretty sure the, the people who have made modifications to the colonel aren't going to revoke. But okay, interesting thought experiment. Like it's it's there. I don't know that it's a thought experiment anymore. Well, um, I don't think anyone's done it. Well, I, what I'm suggesting is that there's been some some recent patches to the Linux kernel. Um, I remember reading one a couple months ago about a patch that uh, Greg Cage added that seemed to be anti-ZFS, and there was a big hoopla over that, and that made me wonder: is this going to be enough to cause someone to want to change their contribution to the kernel because they don't support that? It seems like ZFS is very divisive, divisive in our community. Yeah, that was that was there was a whole there were layers to that issue. There were um, and beyond I, I don't just go into the them. yeah, beyond just the we made this patch and it affects ZFS. Like there was there was a lot of other things and a lot of layers. But yeah, again, I, I mean, until somebody tries to do it, we don't know. It is just a thought experiment until it actually meets the real world. Now, I'm gonna I don't know if project is the word to use, but I'm gonna go off in a tangent future cast this is actually a fear that i have for open source in general and for software and that is if we stop and we look back on patents and copyrights okay patents and copyrights were originally designed to help foster innovation and competition Mm -hmm. however now 100 years after the fact we see that patents and copyrights are being used for the exact opposite to actually hinder innovation to hinder competition and I'm kind of worried, and I have been for a few years, and I've talked to a few a few people about it, that our best efforts in software licenses is going to be the same thing. Because there's a lot of questions that people don't talk about, people don't discuss. Like, what happens 100 years from now when everyone who wrote software for the kernel is no longer living? Mm-hmm. Who has rights to say what happens with any of that? Well, it could be argued that the descendants would get that in whatever will and mm-hmm. transfer but does that does that really like how does that work out and what i'm kind of concerned about is there might be companies in the future who decide hey i can go to the families of all these developers who are no longer living i can buy the rights to all the code that's open source and if it turns out that you can relicense you can have a company 30 years from now buy someone's the rights to someone's comp- uh, code c- contributions and then decide I'm going to hold this project over the barrel by threatening to relicense unless I get whatever. Like our software license is going to become a just as much of a, a club to bludgeon people with as patents are now. I think it's almost certainly what's going to happen because there's money to be made, sometimes a lot of money. And we see, um, I, I didn't remember hearing this term until the early 2000s, though I'm sure this activity went on before, patent trolling, mm-hmm. deliberately buying up a patent or certain key patents in a portfolio that you can then use as a bully club to threaten other companies with and make uh, hopefully a considerable amount of money. We've seen many instances over the last 15 years of companies trying to make money off of something and it just didn't actually, hopefully it didn't work out for them because I don't support such things, but we've seen it happen a lot. And like you're saying here, the licensing, it's going to be used that way. I think it's, it's going to happen. I don't know, however, if the courts will support selling the rights to your 
licensing what? or relicensing the same way they would uh, your your copyright or to a patent, which is registered with the government. Okay, except for the fact that contributor agreements already exist. There True. already exists a legal framework and a precedent that I, as a code writer, can give you the project mm -hmm. full copyright of this code, even though you didn't create it. I did. So mm -hmm. we already have the precedent that you can transfer copyright from one entity to another in software. Like mm -hmm. that's already been established. So somebody writes some great code, they pass away. Their kids aren't software engineers. They, let's say they're gardeners or whatever. They do horticulture. Somebody comes up to them and said, hey, so your parent wrote all this great code. We would like to be able to, you know, preserve it, blah, 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 whatever PR spin they want to put on it. We're going to pay you $500,000 for you to transfer the copyright of your dad's code to us. Somebody's going to go, well, well, yeah, I don't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. It's it's open source. Sure. And then they, they get their windfall and you have a company that slowly starts to amass all this until at some point they're like, okay, now let's actually do something with it. Because again, if we go back to the, the NOSA license per the government, you have to agree that you're never going to revoke. Mm -hmm. So that's the government stance. So I would assume that's what the court stance will be because, well, the courts are part of the government. Technically, well, they're... Yeah. So I, I don't know. And this this brings up another another thing which I see sometimes in projects which just absolutely infuriates me. And it's when someone licenses their software under, and this is just an example, GPL3 or later. And mm -hmm. they add that or later clause. The or later clause. Like, yes. hold on a second. You have no idea what or later means. Like, we don't know what GPLv4 will bring. We assume that it's not going to be anything bad, but we don't know that. And, you know, a bunch of people could take over the Free Software Foundation that have malintent and add in something for V4. And because you wrote your license as or later, it automatically gets the new code, the new rule. Well, hang on there. It's not an automatic conversion. It is an option to convert up. That's my understanding, because I was doing a little research coming into this episode. I, I, my understanding is uh, you don't... <sighs> It's softer than relicensing. It's it's like flicking a switch. It doesn't happen automatically, but you as a license holder can make it happen very easily. That's my understanding of it. I don't I don't think it's automatic. Now, well, I could okay. very well be wrong, and if I am, please let me know, if you it, and our listeners. Yeah, if it wasn't automatic, then there's no reason to put or later, because as the code holder, you can relicense anyway. Hmm. Then I'm not certain, actually. that does That's a little frightening to think about. And uh, most projects, thankfully, don't do this. Mm -hmm. They will put explicitly like GPL3 or, mm -hmm. or whatever. But there are some which I've seen before where it adds the or later. And it's like, you're agreeing to terms that you don't know about. You know, mm -hmm. we can look at the TiVo clause. Best intentions. But there are some people that are like, no, I don't agree with that. But if you mm -hmm. had done an or later. You would not have any say in if it's automatic. Yeah. And the other complication is. If it's a project that is getting contributions from other people and you write GPL v3 or later and a mm -hmm. four comes out and you don't think about it because, you know, you're off doing other things or you're so deep in doing other things. You trusted that it was going to be OK, that they would have your best interest right. at heart and they were trying to protect data or information. But if I then make a contribution after four has come out, knowing that your license says or later. My contributions, I could be thinking that my contributions are under V4 because your license says GPL V3 or later. So then you as the project leader 
have me as a contributor going, oh, no, 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 my, my stuff's under V4 because this is or later. Mm -hmm. Like, what happens in that scenario? Mm -hmm. Even if it's not automatic, if the person who's contributing believes that it's under the new license and contributes under that, you're going to have potential conflicts there. Okay, yeah. I, uh, I, I can't resolve that, actually. Um, perhaps someone who's a little deeper into the... This is such a rabbit hole, and I was I was hopeful that we wouldn't get that deep into it. Uh, I, I think it's avoidable anytime you do any more than a cursory, oh, this is what this license means, and you start diving into these terms. It's really legalistic. It must be. And I'm not, but the thing is, is I think, I'm not set up for that, to be honest. Right, but I think it's an important discussion to have, even if we can't come up with answers, mm -hmm. because this is awareness that people need to have, because these answers need to be answered. Mm -hmm. They do. These questions need to okay, be answered. Yes. Because they're, they're, the realities we're going to face, like the one that I mentioned about, you know, death and transfer and all mm -hmm. that, obviously this is not something that a lot of people have focused on, but we know developers that have passed away. What, like their code, where, where is it legally? Does the, do the descendants own it? Or does it then upon death, the code reverts to the project? Well, unless that's stated somewhere, you wouldn't think that would happen. I would assume that it would be just like someone's estate, any other part of someone's estate. Mm -hmm. By the way, I have an answer to this or later or any later version clause. I'm reading straight from gnu.org's uh, FAC on all okay. licenses. This is on GPL 2.0 FAC. Suppose a program says version 2 of the GPL or any later version, and a new version of the GPL is released, which we know has happened. If the new GPL version gives additional permission, that permission will be available immediately to all the users of the program. But if the new GPL version has a tighter requirement, it will not restrict use of the current version of the program because it can still be used under GPL version 2. When a program says version 2 of the GPL or any later version, users will always be permitted to use it and even change it according to the terms of the GPL version 2, even after later versions of the GPL are available. So I think what that's saying is, or later, well, then what's the point of the or later clause? I don't see right. the value of it. There's there's something here. It's, it's Well, that's that's odd because they're splitting it. That if it's adds more permissions, then everybody automatically gets it. If it adds more restrictions, then it doesn't happen automatically. Oh, if I had just but, read a little farther, it has the answer. Okay. If a tighter requirement in a new version of the GPL need not be obeyed for existing software, how is it useful? Once GPL version 3 is available, the developers of most GPL-covered programs will re release subsequent versions of their programs specifying version 3 of the GPL or any later version. Then users will have to follow the tighter requirements in GPL version 3 for subsequent versions of the program. However, developers are not obligated to do this. Developers can continue allowing use of the previous version of the GPL if that is their preference. But that doesn't answer it doesn't the question. It doesn't answer the question. It seemed like it was going to. <laughs> Maybe there's not a good answer. Maybe it's um, maybe it's not a useful clause. I don't know. I would. I'll say this. I am concluding though that I think I want to stay away from GPL because of the minutia here that I just don't want to deal with. When I'm releasing code and I'm trying to build a program, or I'm sorry, a community around it, I don't want to be worrying about the vagarities of licensure minutia. I just don't. I want to be producing code. I want to be building a community. I want to be writing documentation. And every time I spend even a minute extra on GPL is just going to break me. That's a minute I'm not spending of my precious little available time towards the project. So in my mind, that says, don't go GPL because there's all these unanswered questions. That's I don't want to yeah. conclude that because there's a lot of great GPL and LPGL software out there. But I think for me, I would just have to say steer clear of it. It's not worth it. Yeah, one of the conferences I went to a couple years ago in Philly called FOSCON, Dan Langeel, who runs BSDCAN, came down. 
he works at a company down in Maryland doing, well, all sorts of stuff. He was there for the FreeBSD project, and he was having a conversation with somebody, and they asked, because they didn't know, they're like, well, aren't you guys under a different license? And he's like, yeah, we're under the BSD license. And the person was like, okay, well, what, what's, like, what are the rules of it? What are all the conditions? And, and he's like, well, it, it's right here on the back of this business card. And the, <laughs> I was standing, and the person looked at it and read it, and they're like, I don't have to be an attorney to understand this. And he's like, exactly. That's mm -hmm. kind of one of our key points. Like, we we don't want it to be complicated. And, like, I understand exactly what the GPL was going for, mm -hmm. but you just end up in legal territory once you start to refine and get more specific. Mm -hmm. And it just, it becomes more complicated for the average person to understand because certain phrases, while in common parlance may mean one thing, in a legal framework have a whole bunch of other things kind of bolted on the side as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I, I don't, please don't interpret this as I'm denigrating the license. I think it's, it's what it does and it's very necessary. I, I, I love that it's there. I think for my personal preference, which is what the original question of this particular episode was about, for my personal preference, I don't want to spend my effort on making sure licensure is exactly the way I want. And I think I would just go for something simpler like three claws or MIT. And I, that means someone may abuse my code. Someone may take my code and it's like, so there's a thing that I was reading about. I don't want fragments of code that I have made end up in malware. I don't want to be the reason that something is being attacked because I'm, I'm not specifically writing malware, but let's say I write a very useful library for uh, parsing packet headers that is very useful for malicious redirection or something. I don't know. Uh, that wasn't my original intention, but it could be modified that way. I don't want my code to be used in malware. But then at the same time, I don't think malware authors are going to be very respectful of licenses of code if they can find it. I'll just put that out there, too. Yeah, I'm pretty what? sure they're not going to care what license it's under if, if it can be useful. Pro probably not. I, I, I would tend to agree. But I, something in me says I don't want my stuff to be used for evil. There's a the don't be evil clause uh, license. Maybe I should just start using that for everything. That yeah, sounds but, like a pretty but good solution, see, actually. The, the problem is, is once you start to go down that road, now you start to get into moral territory. And we all know how gray and mushy moral debates are because yes. everybody has a little bit different view on things. Mm -hmm. And there have been plenty of examples in history we don't need to go into now where people did things because they were morally right mm -hmm. that we look at and go, Oh, hell no. So maybe <laughs> yes. a don't be evil isn't the best best idea. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's a good counter argument to that. And uh, I think actually it's a good place to wind the discussion down before we get too much deeper into more minutiae. Yeah. So uh, I'd be interested to hear the opinions of our, our listeners. Um, if they, you know, hopefully some people here have been, you know, project leaders or started a project and have made this decision for licensure. And I'd be interested to hear what your reasoning is for why you chose what you did. Uh, I would love to hear that. So send us an email or uh, we'll be on Twitter soon, I believe. And we'll have lots of ways to communicate with us. Uh, we also have the Telegram uh, channel that we've got. So jump in there and, and converse with us. I'd love to hear more about it. An email. Email into the show. Email. Yes. I said I started with that email. Okay. It's it's a little archaic, but it still does work. You know, the, the ponies that move the email from place to place are a little slow and require a lot of food, but they do get there eventually. We have an email. We got one in. We did get one in. That's right. Yes. I was so proud. Yes. So should, should we do it in this episode? Uh, I think we've already run a little bit long in this episode. Let's do it uh, next week. Okay. We can do that. Okay. So we will interact with uh, this email next week.
And until then, signing off for now.